Welcome to the audio version of Lift Your Eyes, Reflections on Paul's Letter to the Ephesians, by me, Lionel Windsor, New Testament Lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Where does God live? In 2010 and 2011, a series of earthquakes devastated the city of Christchurch, New Zealand. As I've visited Christchurch since then, I've seen the residents' heroic efforts to restore their city. I've seen how ruined building after ruined building and city block after city block is being slowly demolished, reclaimed and rebuilt. One day, as I was in town with a friend, I saw a ruin. It's the ruin of the Roman Catholic Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, not to be confused with the more famously ruined Anglican Cathedral. It's a poignant sight. Like many other buildings in the city, the ruin tells a story of a particular community suffering loss and devastation. But in this case, something further caught my eye. There are words inscribed in stone above the pillars at the entrance. Ecce tabernaculum de cum hominibus. This is a quotation from the Latin translation of the Bible, from Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. The quotation is speaking about the future of God's people, when God finally restores his creation, brings a new heavens and a new earth, and wipes away every tear from their eyes. In English, the words say this, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with human beings. And there's something tragically ironic about these confident words carved in stone, isn't there? It's because God is not dwelling with human beings in this place. It's a ruin. And in fact, the more we think about it, the more it raises questions for all of us. Where does God live? Can we ever say that God dwells among us? Even though the Bible tells us that there is a future new creation where God will dwell with us and wipe every tear from our eyes, does that make any difference to us now? What about those times when our own world is shaken, literally or metaphorically, and the things that seemed firm in our lives or our relationships or our Christian community lie in ruins? Is God with us then? This is the question that Paul addresses in these verses from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Paul says, I pray that the Father would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, that is, to have Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, having been rooted and founded in love. As Paul writes these words, he is in prison bound by the powers of the Roman Empire. Humanly speaking, he's weak and vulnerable. He's now writing to people who had placed their trust and hope in the gospel he preached. But if Paul's lengthy imprisonment is anything to go by, this gospel seems to be in ruins. Naturally, Paul is concerned that his readers might be tempted to lose heart and give up. So what does he do? He prays for them. 
He prays that God would strengthen them and that God would be with them. It's important for us to grasp the truth behind this prayer. But what we need to grasp here is not only that God is with us, but also how God is with us. Because when we see how God is with us and what that means, it makes all the difference in the world. Paul's first request is this. I pray that the Father would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Paul's readers needed inner strength, because to all appearances it seemed like there was only weakness. Paul and his gospel didn't look strong and powerful. And of course, the lives of Paul's readers, like our own lives, would also have had their share of weakness. They were living in a world of sickness, opposition, struggles against sin and death. So they, like us, would certainly have been tempted to look elsewhere for strength and power. And that's why they, like us, needed the work of God's Holy Spirit to strengthen them in their inner being. And this is what Paul prays for. He knows that God can grant his prayer for strength. After all, God has already displayed his limitless strength and glory and riches by raising Jesus Christ from the dead and exalting him to heaven above all the powers of this world. But what does it mean for God to strengthen them? What was Paul actually expecting God's Spirit to do? Paul explains what it means for God's Spirit to strengthen them. It means to have Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. Previously in Ephesians, Paul has focused on the fact that we are living with Christ. God has raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and lordship. And God has also raised us together with Christ and seated us together with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But it's not just that we are living with Christ. Our hope in Christ is not just a hope in some distant figure way out there in heaven. Paul's prayer now focuses on the great truth that through his spirit, Christ comes to live with us. Paul's already described how Christ has come to us through the preaching of the gospel. Through the apostles and prophets and others, Christ came and preached the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. And through the preaching of the gospel, we are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. While Christ's physical body is in heaven, he truly comes to live with us by his word and spirit. Paul has spoken about this as something that affects believing communities throughout the world. But now Paul focuses on believers as individuals. He wants to talk about our inner being, our hearts and lives, and what that means for each one of us. Christ dwells in us. How does Christ dwell with us? He dwells in our hearts through faith. What does this mean? Faith is a word Paul uses in relation to the gospel. And it needs to be understood according to what has, Paul has already said about the gospel. Faith is about believing and trusting in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. God loves us deeply in his beloved son, Jesus Christ. 
He has adopted us as his dearly loved children. He has brought forgiveness of sins through Jesus' death on the cross. He has raised us with Christ and given us security and a hope of future redemption. Faith is about knowing and trusting these truths. So Paul prays here that this faith would be more and more real in the lives of his readers. How does this happen? Well, this is what Paul goes on to spell out in this verse and in the rest of his letter. Because through faith, Christ truly dwells in our hearts. Now, Paul's not praying here that God's Spirit will start something entirely new in the lives of his readers. He reminds them that they, like all those who've come to trust in the gospel, have already been rooted and founded in love. Paul combines two images here, one from the world of plants, rooted, and the other from the world of building, founded. Both these images are about a firm and secure basis for our lives and our faith. That firm and secure basis is love. Love, says Paul, is the ground and soil that we're planted in, and love is the bedrock on which we're founded. This love is deeper and more solid than anything that can shake us. The love Paul's talking about is God's love for us through Jesus Christ. It's the love God's shown us in determining to adopt us for himself through Christ. It's the grace that God's richly given us in Christ, the one he dearly loves. The grace of redemption through Christ's death on the cross and forgiveness of our sins. It's the great love that God's shown us by raising us from spiritual death to spiritual life, not because we deserved it or were worth saving, but because he loved us. And now, as Paul goes on in Ephesians, we see that God's love for us also makes us into people who love others. But at this point, Paul wants to focus on the love of God, the love that grounds us and roots us and is the bedrock for our faith, God's love for us in Jesus Christ. So Paul's prayer is that Christ will keep doing more and more what he's already doing. In the face of our own weakness, Paul is praying that Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith, having been grounded in his deep and unshakable love. So God does dwell with us now. What a profoundly comforting truth. Christ, by his Spirit, dwells in our hearts through faith. This is a truth that is important to grasp and hold on to, especially when our weaknesses and failures make it seem like God is absent. We should pray for ourselves and for others that we'll keep being strengthened by this truth. That's because it's a truth that we can so easily forget. Indeed, there are plenty of alternatives on offer that claim to provide us with the presence of God in ways other than faith and the Spirit. One alternative is actually raised by the inscription on the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament. In this context, the words, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with human beings, actually means something quite specific. It's the idea that God dwells with us through the elements of the bread and wine in the sacrament of the Roman Catholic Mass. And there's a history to this idea. In the medieval church, the Mass became very important. An official view began to take shape, that when the priest says the words in Latin, this is my body, this is my blood, he actually transforms the bread and wine into Christ's body and blood. 
Even though the bread and wine still looks and feels and tastes like bread and wine, in its true substance it's become a host, that is, a dwelling place for Christ. So the medieval church said, coming to Mass is about getting an infusion of grace through a priestly sacrifice. And this is how Christ dwells with us. It's no longer about being strengthened by the Spirit and about Christ dwelling by faith in our hearts, as the Apostle Paul had written a thousand years earlier in his letter to the Ephesians. And this was a major point of contention in the Reformation in the mid-1500s, because it affected the whole way we relate to God and to Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. For example, Thomas Cranmer, a key founder of Anglicanism, insisted that Christ is not present in the elements of the bread and wine at the Lord's Supper. Rather, he's present in our hearts by his Spirit as we hear the wonderful word of the gospel and respond by faith and trust in Jesus' death. He'd been reading Paul. So it's not about the priest bringing God down to us in the host of bread and wine. It's about us lifting our hearts by faith to Christ. This is a truth that Cranmer eventually died for. It's a truth that mattered to him. And it should matter to us as well, because the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church on this point is the same as it was when Cranmer was sent to the stake for opposing it. Another alternative idea about how Christ dwells with us is quite similar to the Roman Catholic view of the Mass, as I've just outlined. But it comes from a very different place. It's an idea that's becoming popular in the way some Protestants are describing Christian worship and music. I was just recently reading the purpose statement for a very large and popular American evangelical music publisher called Bethel Music. It describes their music and their worship this way, songs that carry God's presence to worshippers and events to host his presence. Sadly, in many significant ways, their view of music and worship expressed in this mission statement and elsewhere is very similar to the Roman Catholic view of worship. That is, it's about bringing God down to us to dwell in a kind of physical way among us. In this case, through the passionate experience of worship. But again, as Ephesians tells us, This is not where Christ dwells. This is not how the Holy Spirit brings Christ to us. Rather, the work of the Holy Spirit means that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. And this should be the purpose of the bread and wine and the Lord's Supper, and it should be the purpose of music. Not to host God's presence tangibly among us, but to lift our hearts to the Lord and to lift our eyes to see and believe Christ and what he's done for us. This really matters, doesn't it? Christ has loved us deeply, and Christ dwells through faith in our hearts. He dwells in our hearts as the gospel comes to us, as we hear this life-changing message about Jesus' death for our sins and his resurrection from the dead, and we lift our eyes to him to see the love he's shown us, which brings us strength and security and hope, because Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Through this message, the gospel of our salvation, God's spirit is at work to strengthen us and Christ lives in us. This was Paul's prayer for his readers, even in the midst of circumstances that seemed weak and ruined. What a great prayer for us to pray to, for ourselves 
and others. For reflection. When life seems weak and hard, how can these truths about Christ dwelling in your heart by faith strengthen you? And how might this prayer of Paul's help you to pray for others? You've been listening to Lift Your Eyes, a lo-fi audio podcast. No witty banter, no crime solved, just me reading my reflections on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. The text version of this podcast can be found at my website, www.lionelwindsor.net. Please check it out, subscribe and share.